Hi, welcome to Food. I'm Mark Bittman. As always, you can reach us at food at markbittman.com, and we'd love to hear from you with suggestions, questions, answers, criticisms, whatever you got. We will respond. Uh, that's food at markbittman.com. And we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, of course, and rate it wherever you get your podcasts, hopefully rating it well. Tell your friends about it. And please consider subscribing to our near-daily newsletter, The Bitman Project. You can find that at markbitman.com or at bitmanproject.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. Less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code BITMAN, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? 
a tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out. I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I have a very special guest, pre-election day guest today, and that is Cory Booker, who has become, uh, I have to say, a friend. We met about 10 years ago when he invited me to his offices in D.C., and we sat and talked about food and food issues for a good hour and a half or so, and then we kind of fell out of touch, and then this year we reached out to each other and got together again in D.C. for a more relaxed conversation perhaps the a more aimless, aimless conversation, but at which point we realized we really liked each other. So we saw each other again a few weeks ago and had lunch and hung out for a while and did this podcast. So I will say that um, I'm an admirer of Senator Booker, and um, he's on the Agriculture Committee now. He is a senator who is taking food and obviously many other issues Seriously, but we talked mostly about food and about the Democratic Party and the future of politics in America, the possibility of real change, government and and a fair level playing field, what we talked about, how to define a crisis, which is a question I ask almost anyone I talk to in power, what life might look like if we had a real Democratic majority in Congress and in the White House But also talked about uh, the technical definition of disadvantaged farmers, what justice for black farmers means, how we can get back to more regional and local food systems, how if everyone wanted to eat good food, there wouldn't be enough good food to feed them, Uh, and some amusing things, too. He's... He is playful. He did a sugar challenge, I think, starting Labor Day that I joined on. Um, We talk about that. I I don't know if we've talked about, if we talk about our seesawing weight issues in this conversation, but it's, it gets to that level. So um, I think there's also some dad jokes. That's Corey. You'll hear. It's a fun conversation. It goes on for a while. We've trimmed it back a little bit, but it's still pretty long, but I, I think it's good a rare opportunity to really do a, a heart-to-heart one-on-one with, a, with one of our best senators. So here's my conversation with Cory Booker. Well, let's start with this 
White House meeting, which I unfortunately was not able to be at. But um, but I want you to know you were invited. I was invited. Yes. <laughs> this is either big, thanks to you or Jim McGovern. This is how, I think. Well, you, I think you had both of us advocating. Yeah. Um, but this is the you know how it is. You like to be invited. Yeah. Even if you don't want to go, you like to be invited. <laughs> but this is how big. Imagine going back and talking to your twenty-five-year-old self. You're going to be invited on the to the second ever White House Conference of Food to participate and perhaps even speak. And you're going to be like, yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> well, I was flying home from Europe. I decided not to change uh, you're that. Demand, you're a global citizen now. You're in demand all over the world. <laughs> I, I, I mean, frankly, I've, I heard good things about it from people I trust. And I know, of course, I want to know what you... But, it, you know, these they, they don't get to the root of... They don't get to the root of things. I know it's hard to get to the root of things, but yeah. But well, I, I first of all, the, the hunger hunger issues are still real. Yes, and the commitments the White House has made on that are significant, and I give them a lot of credit for that. And then the second thing to hear the President of the United States talk about nutrition crisis, that even use words like that, and say that he's going to start pushing the FDA to take more steps. And again, for you and I, and we'll get to. I hope we get to those issues that are underlying all of that. But for my team who just for the last three years have been working on these issues. It was a big breakthrough for us. And now to see from the, from the FDA to the Department of Agriculture far more focused on these issues, it's a start. Right. If we see them more focused on these issues. Yes. If it happens, it's a start. Yes. Yeah, well, I think that there's and, an old saying that change doesn't come from Washington, it comes to Washington. And you and I both know in America there's a consciousness that's growing and a movement that's growing. You've been sort of, you were a part of the movement at the beginning, the nascent, probably the reason why people have a lot more consciousness. But I think we're seeing, at least I am, a lot more interest in these issues, a lot more dissatisfaction. And I think that's going to lead to potential changes in U.S. policy. And I'm hoping this farm bill is going to be a real battle, um, but I'm hoping we can start seeing some real changes. Is it going to be a battle in defending what exists, or is it going to be a battle to bring it forward? Yeah, I think it's going to be a battle in the sense that the most powerful interest in Washington, everybody talks about big pharma, everybody talks about big oil. Big food is a profoundly strong lobby in Washington because they have influence on both sides of the aisle. Right. And so that's why you have absurdities where these big companies are, are, they get into the trenches and fight on nutrition standards and, you know, uh, uh, what's allowed in student lunches and all of this. And they have been corrupting our policy for a long time. Uh, but they've been I mean, they're the policy. second biggest lobby after the defense lobby is the food lobby. I think that that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Because the defense lobby is on both sides of the aisle as well. I think the, you know, a lot of these uh, interests are becoming sort of partisan, pharma, oil, maybe more with Republicans. But these are lobbies that really... I think, uh, unfortunately, play big money on both sides. Right. Right. Although you're seeing the, you're seeing red states align with big ag much more than blue states aligning with big ag. I mean, if you're going to see progressive stuff in food, it's going to largely be in blue states. I don't know if it cuts that easy. Like, let's take the cattle industry right now. Uh, I, I I remember a right wing radio host praising me because. The cattle folks who still have a lot of, you know, power, mm-hmm. they don't want to see what happened to pigs and chickens happen to the cattle industry. So remember now, pig farmers and chicken farmers are your sharecroppers. Right. These big companies come in and tell them 
uh, put them in debt. You, this is what they have to do. They just, you know, Tyson's and JBS just deliver the, the animals and, and you have no choice but try to keep up and you bear all the um, risk and they, they get all the reward. I mean, I think sharecroppers is the right way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and, and it's awful. The more I read about it, the more angry I got because they don't even know, they're in these obscure tournament systems where they don't even know what their compensation is going to be. So that's an awful system for everybody. It's horrific for animals. It's horrific for the, the uh, ecology. I've, I've gone down to places like Duplin County, North Carolina, met with, unfortunately there, it's low-income black folks who live in these communities, can't open their windows, can't run their air conditioning, uh, can't put their clothing on the line. They can't sell their land values drop. Because they're near pig farms. Because they're near pig farms. Yeah. Also, we can have cheap bacon. And by the way, we are big exporters of pork. Almost, it's almost as if China has said, you bear all the environmental costs and, and the, the health costs of producing this stuff. We just want to buy your products. Uh, it, 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 and so I've gone to these areas and seen just the, the sheer devastation. And I've even been to Republican areas. I was in Southern Illinois meeting with a Republican farmer who said, look, before that CAFO came, into our region, I could drink out of my uh, my well, and I could fish out of my creek. Now I can't do either. So I, I, they're not as neatly. This is not a neatly partisan issue. I've been finding allies. In fact, one of my funniest experiences, maybe funny, maybe frightful, depending on how you look at it, as a senator, was when I was going this farm tour in the Midwest, and my Sherpa was trying to get me to meet Republican farmers. Because I just have this belief that we are not as divided mm-hmm. as our politics make us believe. And I get out of the farm and I could tell the I felt tension from the guy. And I, you know, try to make him laugh by telling all my horrible dad jokes. You know, like <laughs> you're you're you look at these cows, sir, they're utterly amazing. You know, I was milking these jokes for everything I could. <laughs> all right, enough. Okay. <laughs> we get the point. only two only two dad jokes per podcast, I'm sure. But by the time I sat down at the table with him, we started talking about what the issues are. And I remember he had his land grant um, from the Homestead Act. So this has been a multi-generational farm. The economics worked for his great-granddad, for his granddad, for his dad, but they were barely holding on because the monopolization going on above them, they used to have five uh, people to sell their cattle to, now they had one. The input costs, uh, uh, consolidated companies like Monsanto, now Bayer, were raising the cost for all their inputs. So their share of the consumer dollar had gone down so much. And so when I started talking to him about antitrust law, and how the Packers and Stockyard Act, which was brought about uh, coming out of the you know 30s and 40s to combat these big trusts, had had in the 80s sort of swinging against antitrust law and for big consolidation. These industries were more consolidated than they were back in the time of the trust busting, and. And by the end of it, he's just, he can't believe we have complete agreement on these issues. Suddenly his family's coming out, we're taking selfies <laughs> and, the, and the like. So I, I just, there is, there, I, I see what you're saying about like red state, blue states, but I find in, uh, you know, I ran for president and we thought, we didn't know how people were going to react when I talked about my legislation to get rid of CAFOs. Right. Um, and yet we would get, in Iowa, we would get huge applause from big crowded town halls of people that know that we are not farming like our great-grandparents did. Right. Or not raising livestock like our great-grandparents did. Doing things to animals that our, that our great-grandparents would find horrific. I mean, the whole system 
in retrospect, has been geared to make it happen the way it the, the way it's the happened. system is 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 working as designed. The system is working as designed. So when you say the food system is broken, I'm not saying you say that, but when people say that, it's really not true. The food system is working right. the way that the owners of the food system want it to Right, work. and, the, and the, the, the conventional knowledge back then was we need to, a calorie is a calorie, we need to produce as many cheap calories because we have hunger problems, we need to figure out ways to make them last forever on shelves. So everything we're seeing right now is a result of this idea that we were going to commodify our food system, not fruits and vegetables, those were specialty crops, right. that we were going to become a, multi, a commodity system where we were going to use technology uh, to produce these frankenfoods that could stand on the, on the shelf for, for a year, two years, three yeah. years. I mean, I don't, it, that grew out of a system that said, Let's make farms as big as we possibly can. Let's produce one crop at a time. And so I don't think it's really hard to say what would have happened. But in a parallel universe where land might have been distributed more fairly to more people in the post-Civil War era, for example, we might have developed or we could have developed an agricultural system where a quarter of Americans remained farmers and we didn't have a hunger problem in that there was enough regional and local food to feed everyone well. But that's the opposite of what happened. Absolutely. Land just kept getting more and more consolidated. First it was wheat, and then it was corn, and then it was soybeans. It was like one crop at a time. What are we going to do with this stuff? And that's where the ultra-processed food came from, and that's where the, the consolidation of animal farming came from. Again, we decided to run a system this way. We got rid of this idea of biodiversity, which is so important for human health. Um, we, we got into a commodity crop system, big is better, and a global, globalization hit ag around the same time it was hitting a lot of things, which, again, took entire parts of our countries and hollowed them out. Uh, my, my, I love John Tester. He's the only farmer in the Senate. He, he is, <laughs> I saw that, by he, the way. Yes. He, uh, he has this great line where he said, when I was growing up, I, I forget the exact numbers, we had like 2,000 kids in our high school. We had, you know, three banks on Main Street. We had five bars. He goes, now we've got like 200 kids in our high school. There are no banks on our on Main Street. And there's the only reason why there's one bar left, because I drink there every night when I'm home. <laughs> and, <laughs> what and, town is this? I know he's from Montana. He's from Montana. I, I, I have no idea. But he's, he's a character, but he's right. <laughs> the, 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 these big multinational corporations are literally sucking our, our communities dry. And instead of seeing... These these self-sustaining local economies. Really is funny. Yes, he is. He is. He is a great human being. Uh, but but I when I go to these towns and they you know you see again the main strips empty like they reminded me of many ways you know Newark back in the nineties when you you just had these former commercial strips that were now empty and just had dollar stores uh, on them or Dollar Generals or whatever they are in the Midwest version of what we saw here in Newark. And so this monopolization, this globalization, the other thing I didn't really realize fully until the pandemic, and then it became so clear to me that global food systems are fragile. Right. Local food systems are really strong. Right. And so you have these weird things where farmers were getting more screwed financially, and yet they were having to kill pigs in them. The big pig businesses were making record profits. Uh, I just didn't get it until the pandemic fully that how local systems are strong, regional systems are, are not as weak as global systems, and that we've got to find a way to get back to that. But 
The, the other thing that you, we, we often don't talk about enough is the sort of pernicious effect that commoditization has happened to minority communities, from Native American communities who were taken off land, put on reservations, sent commodities that became, uh, I mean, the only people that have worse health outcomes than black men are Native American men. Um, and, and how our, you know, our indigenous or our cultural foods in, in just one generation, you went from not a, an obesity problem in black and brown communities to a significant obesity problem that we have over a 50, 60-year pe- period, so probably two generations. So all of this has really worked to the detriment of, it may have made winners, i.e. big companies, um, multinational global corporations, but farmers are really hurting in America. Minority groups have really suffered health-wise. Uh, farm animals, it's horrific what happens to them in, in most circumstances. Our ecology is hurting. Our climate is, is, is hurting. We're losing one of the most valuable resources America has, which is its soil, because um, we've turned soil to dirt with the, again, the commodification, no biodiversity, um, uh, uh, poisoning our soil with glyphosates and the like. And then, and then ultimately, we now have a nation which is, is so sick I mean, that's the thing folks don't understand is one out of almost one out of every three of our government dollars right now goes to healthcare for this explosion of diet-related diseases, obesity. Half of our population is diabetic or pre-diabetic. You have strokes, heart disease, and, and more. Cancers. Yeah. 80% of our, of our healthcare uh, challenges in America are preventable. And that's, that's insane. Well, the argument I've been making, it's not an argument, but the thing I keep saying is the leading cause of death in the United States is diet-related disease. And it was more than COVID last year, and COVID's going to go down to 50,000 people a year or whatever the flu is. Right. But diet-related disease is still going to kill half a million people a year, and it's our, our lead, and it's all preventable. And we don't talk about it. And I've had conversations... Oh. I, you know, I, I just had a great back-and-forth with a, one of our leaders of one of our most significant civil rights organizations who, because I've been saying very loudly in the conference that... If you are running a, a, a advocacy group for blacks or Latinos, and at the top of your list for racial justice is not food issues, then you are missing the number one killer Good for you. of blacks and Latinos. And to see sort of the people's agenda for black America that has nothing about access to affordable, fresh, healthy foods, you're missing the point. And so the farm bill to me is a racial justice bill as well, because are my kids here in Newark where we're sitting gonna go to the bodega and have a Twinkie product cheaper than an apple because only 2% of our ag subsidies go to fruits and vegetables. And in, in communities like this, we're surrounded by fast food restaurants. All that food we subsidize, dollar meals are not, the true cost is not a dollar. Right, right. All of our taxpayer dollars are subsidizing that dollar meal and then we pay for it again in Medicare and Medicaid costs. Well, let's, let's talk about this for a second. 150 years ago, the US government gave away all of the land, most of the land that it had stolen right. from indigenous people. Right. And it gave it away mostly to white men, a lot to railroads and and other industries. But the farmers that it was giving it to were, I mean, there were formerly enslaved people who got land during the Homestead Act, tiny, tiny percentage. There were women who got land during the Homestead Act, tiny, tiny percentage, but almost none. And certainly few immigrants and fewer current immigrants few Asians, few people from south of the, of the border, Mexicans. 
um, mostly white men. And that land is where wealth comes from. And so 150 years ago, if you gave all this land to white men, it's their descendants. They may be selling it to corporations. They may be selling it for housing developments, subdevelopments. They may be consolidating and keeping it so they can run CAFOs or grow 10,000 acres of corn or soybeans subsidized by the U.S. government. Thank you very much. How do you get that land back into the hands of people who never had a crack at it? And people who could see possibly anyway, that there's dignity in farming, that farming is a is an occupation that might be worth doing. Yeah, and I just want to just take this as a little slight detour for a second to talk about this is our government. Most of its history has been picking winners and losers through giving out benefits. It's not just land, which went to predominantly uh, white men throughout our history, exclusionary of minorities. I mean, just think about it. the spectrum for radio stations that was give, allocated to people, created great wealth and media empires right. can trace their roots for how the government assigned spectrum. Even, and what do we think the percentage of that was given to white men? 98, 99? Yes, exactly. But it even goes to today. I got down to Washington in 2013 and just asked a simple question. Pension fund management is a source of huge wealth. These are big financial institutions in America. Most states from Texas to New York have something called an emerging manager program. Five to 10% they're setting aside for women and minorities to manage this money. And by the way, Barclays and others have done studies. They're getting as good or better returns in the big white institution. So I get down to Washington, D.C., hundreds of billions of dollars, arguably the biggest pensions in North America. How much are being managed by women or minorities? None. Not even one penny. So this is something government is, does all the time. Who do, who do you afford opportunity to? And for some of the greatest wealth that has come from licensing, lands, spectrum, you could go through all this, that has created such a stratification of wealth in our country. Land is a great example. So coming out of... Uh, you're right, of course. It goes way past It goes that. way past that. And then government wrote the rules of the game to really further push stratification of wealth in our country. So by redlining communities like the ones we're in, literally I can show you towns that prospered right next to Newark because they were written to certain mortgage laws, mortgage rates were allowed them, not here. Where do you put public uh, challenges? Like where do you put the incinerators? Where do you put all these things that cause- Where do you put the CAFOs? Where do you put the CAFOs? So most folks don't understand that by the rules that government writes, they've either given benefits to other folks or detriments, excluded people. The GI Bill uh, was way disproportionately used by white Americans, uh, black Americans excluded. Even the way we wrote Social Security, talk about agriculture, when they wrote the Social Security laws, they decided they wanted to exclude blacks. So where, what were the two professions that blacks were working most in? Mm-hmm. Were domestics and agricultural workers. They were excluded from uh, the benefits of Social Security and things like that. So we have had these systems that have been going on for a long time. And again, it does not stop with government doing that. Joe Biden, we're doing this podcast around the time that Joe Biden said, hey, if you have simple possession for marijuana. I mean, hooray. <laughs> Hallelujah. You and I are two guys <laughs> may have done a very embarrassing happy dances when he said that. But it's also kind of like it's about time. But what people don't even understand about that is it's, again, it is a it is a stratification of wealth issue. Because most people don't know if you have a simple possession marijuana conviction, you have the American Bar Association says there are 40,000 collateral consequences 
that will make push you towards poverty. Mm-hmm. You can't get business licenses. You can't get a hairdresser's license in most places if you have a criminal conviction. You can't get certain jobs. You can't get certain types of housing. So who's gotten convicted of marijuana, uh, simple marijuana possessions? Overwhelmingly black and brown people. There's no difference in usage between blacks and whites, but blacks are almost four times more likely to get those simple marijuana possessions, especially if you're if you're black and poor. So, so this is the way our government has functioned explicitly for up until the 70s. It was written into our laws, uh, and even now you're seeing things like disproportionate war on drugs, or even ag policies uh, or discriminatory document in a documented way until until through the 80s. So going back to, though, folks who really understand what happened after slavery, not only, most people probably know, the 40 acres and the mule promises, the death of Lincoln, the rise of Johnston, the end of, of, of Reconstruction, those promises were never fulfilled. That said, blacks still owned enough land in America that was proportionate to their population. So blacks were 14 or so percent of the population. They owned about 14 percent of the land. But even that land, if you look at the history of the ways in which they were built from their land. And so, for example, the USDA had lots of agricultural policies to help farmers in America. Well, if you're a black farmer coming in, I'm a white farmer coming in, you're going to get your loan right away. It's going to be made by a local group of people to decide, okay, you're going to get your loan. The black guy may not get their loan at all to put crops in, or they'll get it really late in the planting season. These are practices that were documented, again, up until the 80s and 90s. So slowly, blacks were being built out of their land to the point now where the number of blacks land is way below its population percentage and it was continuing in crisis. One of the things that me and Raphael Warnock and a few others in the Senate really moved with Biden was to do something to try to help uh, black farmers stay on their land. And I'm very proud of the fact that we got some things in, held up in court, but then just with the, the Inflation Reduction Act, we were able to uh, write the law in a way that, A, disadvantaged farmers there's $3.1 billion to help disadvantaged farmers in total who are behind on their loan payments write down their loans because we're losing American farmers at an alarming rate of all backgrounds, selling out to the big multinational corporations, and then another $2.2 billion uh, to really help African Americans who, who have been victims of discrimination. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just knew about the law. I knew the Justice for Black Farmers Act had been held up by... By, by lawsuits. lawsuits. So, yeah. yeah, so we were able to do an amendment to take away some of the race-based language in it and say, let's look at all disadvantaged farmers, and we were able to get a, a three-plus billion dollar... What's disadvantage mean in this case? It means, uh, technically, there's a technical definition of it, but usually smaller farmers who are behind on their loans um, in, in, in certain areas that are just facing economic hardship. And, and frankly, there are a lot of deserving farmers out there that fall into that category that are now going to get help from President Biden. And these are the folks I've visited that are really on the brink. Because remember, your share of the consumer dollar has gone down so dramatically as a monopolies for the inputs and monopolies buying up your, your commodities or what have you are, are squeezing you more and more and more. And then uh, the second part is really exciting to me to get $2.2 billion to uh, black farmers who've been uh, explicitly victims of discrimination. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no insulation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. 
The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. What is it going to take? I mean, I, I, I kind of know the answer to this. So, what is it going to take for you know to move Justice for Black Farmers Act happened within a year of within six months of Biden taking office? Right? right. Well, he didn't take the whole bill because the whole bill had things in it like let's do another Homestead Act, let's find a way to get disadvantaged farmers, and it wasn't wasn't just black farmers onto land. We wanted to try to find ways to get more people back into farming in more places. Right. So we had sections in. Let's do this with urban areas. Um, the federal government owns a lot of land still around the country and can find other ways uh, to help black farmers and, and other farmers get access to farming again. But the question is, what does it take to move past that, to move past your Farm Systems Reform Act, which you're free to talk about if Thank you want to, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, and to move to the point where we actually encourage people to get into farming and we make land available for people to farm so that we can produce good food because you know the argument is it's not the bodega's fault that it's no. selling twinkies no no it's that there's not those specialty crops available at affordable prices even if everybody decided to eat great tomorrow right there's not enough great food to feed people because we're not growing great food so how does that whole system does it take 20 years? Is, I, is I, I hope not. <laughs> I want to do a podcast with you sooner than that, talking about the breakthroughs that we've had. So just so people know, a lot of the other legislation I've dropped have been taking on CAFOs. They, they, there should be a moratorium on ag merger, mergers. We've been saying um, um, uh, phasing out these CAFOs, offering money to these farmers, good Americans, who are trapped in the commodity system, who could actually, as Tester tells me, who's an organic farmer, Shifting out of that trap could be more financially beneficial for them, but they're stuck in a commodity system because that's what all the incentives, the insurance, the government programs, the infrastructure, the infrastructure is really built around. And so we are trying to suggest that that our policy made this happen. Let's take on other policies that incentivize farmers out of that, as well as doing things we want them to do, more cover crops, more things that are going to sequester carbon, that are going to improve water flow. As soon as we align the incentives with the behaviors we want and the pr produce we want, we're going to see a lot of change, and that's where the battle is. And then the other part of the battle is, um, for me, is stopping big corporate power by, by, by doing a lot of things to break up those big uh, uh, multinational corporations, going after them with antitrust law, um, and stopping from allowing them to continue to gobble up American land. How many of your, let's just look at the, the Senate 
I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, the Congress is pretty equally divided between Democrats and Republicans. Yes. You don't even have a majority of Democrats who think the same way that you do on this kind of agriculture. I don't, stuff. but we're chipping away. <laughs> we're, I mean, I don't, you know, look, I, can, I love you. I don't want yeah, No, I appreciate you trying to put me down and make me depressed. <laughs> no, I, look, when I came to Washington, today's a great day to talk about this. I came to Washington started talking about marijuana reform nine years ago, and I was laughed at by people in my own party. Now the president of the United States has done a big step. So it's, that took nine years, and we're still not all the way where we need to be, but it, it's not going to happen right away. Um, but I'll tell you this, uh, on the Ag Committee, I have a lot of members that are really happy I'm there and are forming a coalition of, of, of people to cause good trouble with. Um, um, and I'm really proud of that, that we have, I, was, I, I took a couple senators out to dinner uh, on the Ag Committee who are really good partners of mine in trying to figure out in this next farm bill, how can we stir up good trouble um, and begin to align our country's incentives with our health and well-being. The, I, I wanna shift because you said something that sort of triggered a moment for me like, I'm a big believer, eat what the heck you want. I don't want government telling you what to eat. I hate government right now picking winners and losing by subsidizing some. But this is what I know about consumers, is when you give the true cost to something and stop the subsidy, people are going to say, wait a minute, that, maybe I'll choose the healthier option. Right. When you stop the deceptive labeling and give consumers more, I, the stuff I walk in, and this is heart healthy. and I mean, Americans, just sugar consumption is... 50% more than our, our recommendations for nutritionists, significantly more than any other country. What these things in our foods are doing to us, if parents knew more about it and had more information, I trust that they would make better choices, especially if we were providing, as you said, the key words, low-income people with fair access and affordable access to the healthy foods as well. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't think government should be telling people what to eat. I think it should be informing people about what's healthy. It should stop the subsidizing the bad stuff and it should uh, create a fair playing field. Um, in fact, I think we should subsidize the good stuff, but we should give affordable access to, 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 uh, to the kind of foods we, we know people should be eating. You know, there's a, there's a UN declaration from I don't know, 1966 or something that basically says all humans are are entitled to a nutritious diet. Yeah. All humans should have access to a good food. Yeah. We don't even have a statement like that in this country. We don't have a principle that says all Americans are, are entitled to a good diet. And so if we did, if we had some kind of statement, some operating principle, we might be able to move in that direction. Instead, what we have is if you own the land, you can produce what you want to produce, and we're going to subsidize stuff that, again, for export, we're going to subsidize stuff um, for our friends or for our lobbyists. Um, and that's a big ship to turn around. That's yeah, but, but our lives depend on turning it around. You, you know this is, it is unsustainable for America to continue this eating. I was with a, a great friend of mine named Anthony Mazzarelli. He's head of... Cooper Hospital System in Camden, New Jersey. He loves data. And he was just showing me the curve of these diet-related diseases, how much diabetes has gone up in the last 15 years, heart disease, stroke. And he basically start then got past 2020, but kept projecting. If it stays on the same steep curve, we will not be able to afford government at all. We'll be done. It'll, it'll absorb everything. Not to mention, 
even now, you know this, about 71% of our kids couldn't join the military if they wanted to because they're not, they're too sick and unhealthy. Yeah, so we are at a point now where our society should realize we're at a breaking point. Another 10 years like this, just the diabetes rates alone, how much they've gone up in 10 years, especially in minority communities, it is unsustainable. You know, in some communities, the diabetes rates doubled during COVID. Yes. Doubled. Yes. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a canary in the coal mine and let folks know this isn't some arcane policy discussion you and I are having. This is the life or death of our loved ones. This is the well-being of our family. This is a national security crisis. If you want to talk about a threat to human life here, uh, as you just said at the beginning, is COVID deaths bigger or are food diet-related diseases bigger? And those are growing. COVID is shrinking. So the greatest sort of pandemic we're worried about has got to be these diet-related diseases that are overcoming our country. I, I had the, and I wish I could have said this better when I ran for president on the debate stage, because you saw all these debates about how are we going to provide health insurance? How are we going to provide health coverage? That was the big debate, you know? And I'm, again, I think there are certain things in America everyone should have a right to. Radical stuff like clean air, right. clean water, decent food. decent food. You know, this is crazy. And most American, and a lot of Americans don't, I should say. Um, but access to healthcare is, I think, I think it's a joke that we have a country where people worry about calling the ambulance because they wonder if they can afford an ambulance when, when they're called. Um, it, it's an insane system that we have already. But the bigger question isn't how we're going to pay for medical ca- coverage. I think it's why we have such a demand for it in the first place. I want to shift gears, but I want to ask this question that's sort of both philosophical and practical. How do you, how does government define a crisis? Like, I get that COVID was a crisis, but I don't get the climate change and I don't get the food. I mean, if you think of the things in the last 20 minutes or whatever we've talked about around food, I mean, there are life and death issues all of all kinds. Yes. And issues of fairness and issues of justice and economy and da 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 da. And it's like barely on the radar of most people. I think your colleagues, if you said, let's talk about the 10 most important issues in the United States, healthcare might be up there, but agriculture and diet might not be. No, no. I don't know if it's a philosophical question or a practical question. Like what makes something a crisis? Right. And so there, I wish there were objective measures. Like, like again, we, there's been lots of studies about this, about what Americans are actually afraid of and what's really threatening them. So, you know, I have friends that, like, are afraid of flying. And I'm like, flying is multiple <laughs> times more safer than you taking a drive to the airport. Right. So your fear is not aligned with what's really there. Yeah, you know, so I, 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 I think some of the answers got to be political because clearly the data shows that we have two looming crises. Our military knows we have looming crises. Our military knows that climate crisis is going to cause not just these horrific weather events that you see in Pakistan right now or or uh, we just had coming through our, our country in Florida. Right. Not just that, the instability that that then triggers in countries, which is, you know, migration crises, uh, wars over resources, um, all of those things the military sees as global instability coming from a crisis of climate change. And if we could align this understanding as America that this is actually a crisis that demands for us to take serious action, um, we could better deal with that crisis before it comes. And then, and then diet is the same thing. I, I just don't know how we could comfortably sit and know our government has ag policies that are poisoning us. 
that are, that are that are that are accelerating the death and destruction um, uh, because of di- the, the massive growth of diet-related diseases. I, I just don't understand how we cannot call that a crisis when it's the number one killer of Americans. Okay, let's shift gears because we're. But I don't want to end on the note. Before you shift, I just want to say, but we can do something about it. Okay, well, this is all. This crisis is is a human crisis. It's one of our making. We can change it by having good policy. And the reason why you are so important, in my opinion, and podcasts like this are important is because change doesn't come from Washington. It comes to Washington. The more consumer awareness, the more people say, because for me, when I was a city councilman, did I care about a farm bill? I wasn't even thinking about a farm bill. I didn't know how it affected my life. Right, but you could have been thinking about school lunch policy. I was. Right. And, I and was, that's... Yeah. I was thinking about why, why might people have to take three buses just to get a supermarket. Right. Um, so I just want more people to become aware of it and know that, that the most common way people give up their power is not realizing they have it in the first place. So whoever's listening to this, you have power to affect policy. You have power to open your mouth, to post on your social media, to talk about these issues so that we grow a movement so the politicians who represent you don't only hear from the big multinational corporations that are pushing to keep their corporate welfare, but, but they know that there are families out there that want to see real change. I mean, there's this way in which I've been trying to get you to say that and also trying to get you to say one of the ways to make change is to make sure that the candidates that are running for office and that you are supporting actually know and care about food issues. Yes. Because there's not an clearly not enough of those kinds of people. I, I still have I mean, said the reason this, I'm sitting here talking to you and not any other number of senators right. is because you've thought about this stuff. Yeah, and, and I have said in front of elected leaders that only 2% of our agricultural subsidies are going to fruits and vegetables, which we're told. And they're, they're sort of surprised at that. They're stunned by that. Uh, and, and so the most common sort of knowledge that we should have as legislators is not common knowledge. You've got to figure out a way to be a conscious citizen about really what is best for me and my family and how do I deal with this constant conditioning in this society that I don't want to, my family to be normal. I, I'm sorry. Normal right now in America, unfortunately, is overweight. Normal is getting to be sick, getting to, have a, to die earlier than you were meant to. And to have diseases, we've got to fight against this, these corporations that are trying to continue to sell us these pathways to sickness, illness, misery, uh, um, low productivity, uh, and death. Suppose the November, the midterms go pretty well. Things stay sort of at par. Suppose Biden or equivalent Democrat is elected president in, in 2024. Suppose you or an even better president are elected in 2028. Suppose we have three or four terms of sort of increasingly progressive, decent democratic rule. What kind of changes could we look forward to realistically in a in a sort of you know majority democratic Congress, maybe with a democratic president, the existing Supreme Court, which you're not going to change much, but what kind of stuff could we look forward to changing in the next say generation with with decent leadership? I think that I think that my hope is in the next 10 years or so, we can transform the farm bill. And I know the farm bill comes in regular intervals. So maybe over the next two or three farm bills, we can shift our ag policies away from CAFOs, away from uh, uh, from the level of commodity cropping we're going to do and more towards getting our, our country 
from a national security perspective, resiliency perspective, back towards more regional and local food systems. That, that's a big thing that we can do by aligning incentives in the right way. I hope that, and this is going to be a fight, but that our government can start calling it in accordance with the science so that our nutritional recommendations and all of these things are, are telling American consumers the truth, creating transparency, forcing you know, companies to label properly, front of label, package labeling, and all of that. So now you're starting to align incentives and policies with nutrition and science. I think that is something we can completely uh, uh, um, achieve in, a, in, a, in, a, in a roughly a decade in our country. That's a great answer. Thank you. Okay, now let's shift gears. Okay. Um, where are we going for lunch? We're going to the Blueprint Cafe. Which is? Which is a vegan-ish place uh, that has lots of incredible options. We can both go off our diet there and be happy. Incredible cafes, coffees, things like that, too. Okay, great. Well, let's go. All right. Thank you. For I this. wanted to take you just to a regular Jersey diner, but my staff, they like thought you the were too Von fancy. Like Diner in Verona. Is that still there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There are two of my favorite diners nearby, but my staff got on me. They said, you're taking a preeminent like food critic to a di- Jersey diner. I mean, diner. I'm not. I have no pretense whatsoever. You can take me wherever you want. I appreciate I wish you had said that to my staff. I'll, I'll go say it to your staff now. They, they really, they, they, I think you're a regular, I don't want to call you regular Joe. I'll call you regular <laughs> Mark. <laughs> um, you're a regular guy. I just knew I could take you anywhere. And you would, you, you're probably a diner. But are we going within walking distance? I don't know. We might just jump in my car. Okay. Yeah. Are um, you, do you not want to expand your carbon footprint today? Do you want to walk? No, no, no. <laughs> I was just curious. No, because, you know, I'm interested in downtown Newark. So yeah. we are in downtown Newark. Yeah. But I'll go wherever you want to go. Let's Thanks, go. Sir. Thanks a million to the brilliant, thoughtful, caring, insightful, Senator from New Jersey, my friend Cory Booker, he gave us a lot of time for this, and I'm most appreciative. We'll be hearing again from him soon, actually in the next month or so, on the podcast, and um, hopefully with some regularity after that. We're going to be talking about the Farm Bill, and we want his view on what's going on there. Meanwhile, thanks to him, whom you can follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cory Booker. There's no E in Cory, so C-O-R-Y-B-O-O-K-E-R and is kind of a hilarious follow. And thanks also to Kate Bittman, my frequent co-host and producer, and to Davis Lloyd, our engineer. And thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate us, etc. And please visit us at markbittman.com. Thanks again for listening and listen again next week when we will have somebody amazing. Bye for now. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 